0: Hello my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen. Uh, God bless you. I trust you and your household, your family are doing well and are blessed in all things. Well yesterday we talked about uh, Pentecost and we talked about how the Holy Ghost came down and when the Holy Ghost came down they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we talked about uh, uh, I, was, I was going to talk to you about three things I was going to point out, and the first thing was uh, that it was the Day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came, and what was significant about the Day of Pentecost, and we talked about the Feast of Pentecost, that it was the Feast of the Harvest. and. Uh, And that, uh, you know, we kind of ended with that. But before I go any further into our study today, I want to share a little testimony with you. A healing testimony. And this was from uh, uh, a couple of months ago when I was holding my uh, my crusade in Asia. And what happened was that uh, one night they brought a lady in a car. And this lady, she had been actually brought uh, brought to the crusade. Uh, I think for two nights in a row, but nothing had happened uh, to her. But this night, this third night, uh, an amazing thing happened. This lady uh, was um, paralyzed. She couldn't move. She was in her bed paralyzed and she was unresponsive. I mean, she was like a vegetable. She couldn't, uh, nobody knew whether she could hear because she would never respond to any hand signals, any speech, nothing. She, was, she, she just stared into empty space, and there was no response from her, no sign of life. She just lay there in a vegetative state, and she had been like that for quite some time. And they brought her in a car, and she was actually laying in the back seat of the car, uh, and the power of God touched her in the car. And she got up, and um, and, uh, yeah, she was also blind. I'm sorry, she couldn't see either. Her eyes were open; she couldn't see, couldn't talk, nothing, no response. She got up and began to walk, and then she ran, and she came up on the platform, and she testified uh, that I can see, I can hear, I can speak, I'm okay. Praise the Lord! It was, and 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 the whole crowd rejoiced, and they saw that power of our lord jesus that uh, that jesus is still the same yesterday today and forever and the interesting thing is that nobody had touched this lady or laid hands on her and prayed for her i was in the platform on the platform and she was like maybe 30 or 40 yards away in the car where they had parked the car outside the crowd and then when i began to pray over the crowd the power of god touched her right where she was in the car and god raised her up Praise God. We see many, many things happen like this. And um, because uh, our Lord Jesus is alive today. Hallelujah. So anyway, we were talking yesterday about the Feast of Pentecost. And uh, now then the second point I was going to point out, it was also in verse one. uh, It says, uh, you know, in chapter two of the book of Acts, it says they were all with one accord in one place. It says when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord in one place. Now this is interesting because there were actually 500 people who had seen Jesus after he had risen from the dead. The Bible tells us so. The Bible tells us that there were at least 500 people had seen the Lord Jesus after he had risen from the dead. But on the day of Pentecost, there were only 120 of those who had actually gathered together to receive the Holy Spirit, which means that there were 380 who hadn't come. In other words, you can safely say that of the 500 people who had seen Jesus alive after, you know, uh, after his resurrection, Less than 25% of the people who had seen him had actually bothered to come to receive the Holy Ghost, to seek the Holy Ghost. The other 75% were, I mean, there's no mention of them, where they were, what they were doing, but for some reason they hadn't chosen to come. Yet the Bible said that they were all there, all there, which, which tells me one thing, that God only counts those who are hungry and thirsty. Uh, just because somebody's name is written in the membership roles of a church, uh, doesn't mean that God counts them. God only counts those who are hungry and who are thirsty. Those are the people God touches. Just because someone is in the, is in the roles of a church, doesn't mean that somehow when God moves, that person will also be touched. No, God only touches those who are hungry. So there were only 120 out of 500 who were there. But as far as God was concerned, they were all there because God only counts those who want to be counted. Let's put it this way. God only counts those who want to be counted. So that's the second point I want to Uh, I want to make sure because you see, uh, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but I remember back in Sweden, whenever there was a move of God in a Pentecostal church, There were always those who would step on the brake, who didn't, on the brakes, they didn't want to move of God. And often the pastors and the leaders would try to slow things down because they said, no, no, we want God to move only if we can get everybody on board. And if everybody is not on board, we don't want God to move. We don't want to move of the Holy Spirit because we believe in unity. But that is wrong because God doesn't count those who step on the brakes or those who are uh, how do you say it? the word we use is "leaky"? Is indifferent. God doesn't use those who are uh, doesn't count those who are indifferent. He only counts those who are hungry for Him. Now, so the first thing was that the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. We talked about the significance of the Feast of Pentecost. Then we said that God only counts those who want to be counted. Then the third one is in verse uh, verses nine to eleven. It says. Uh, 18 different languages were heard when they spoke in tongues or languages spoken in 18 different regions and countries were heard when they spoke in tongues. And these were actual languages that were heard. And I pointed out that these things have happened today. They happen even today because I personally have spoken in several different languages in other tongues over the course of years when people have actually told me. They have come to me and said this is what you said. You spoke in such and such language and this is what you said. This has happened to me several times and it has happened not only to me but to many, many, many other times. That's why it's very important that we don't quench utterances is in, in other tongues especially in churches these days there's a lot of churches that don't like tongues on Sunday mornings you know they, because they people treat the Holy Ghost like the like he's that uh, um, and that uncle who is an embarrassment to the family. Uh, You have to invite him to the weddings, but you want him to sit quietly in a corner where he doesn't make a nuisance of himself. So that's how we treat the Holy Ghost. Well, he's the third person of the Trinity, but we don't want him saying or acting up or doing anything on Sunday morning because he ruins the decorum of the services. Doing things in decency and in order, like Paul said, does not mean quenching the Spirit. Please listen to me. Quenching the Spirit is not the same as doing things in decency and in order. Decency in order means that we give the Holy Spirit full flow, but there are certain, uh, certain protocols and there are certain ways we do that and, and the Holy Spirit is the author of order. He's not the order or the author of confusion. The things that people use as bad, bad examples of totally out of control things in so-called Pentecostal churches, that's not Holy Ghost. Those are acquired and learned religious behaviors that people put on and they call it uh, Pentecost. But it has nothing to do with Pentecost. It has nothing to do with the Holy Ghost. Anyway, I don't want to go into that. But now what happened, uh, what happened when the Holy Ghost fell and these people began to speak in other tongues? The Bible says Peter got up and began to preach. Now, this is interesting because just a couple, you know, not long before that, Peter was the one who had denied Christ. But now he is the one who preaches Christ. And somebody put it very nicely he says that when people uh, sorry when peter had denied christ remember he was warming himself at the fire and this uh, brother had said that when peter denied christ the fire was outside him but now on the day of Pentecost the fire was inside him so he got he began to preach and it says, I, I'm, I'm reading a few verses from verses 36 to 46. He says, therefore, so this is Peter preaching to, uh, on the day of Pentecost, to all these Jews who had gathered, you know, and they were, oh, there was a, a I mean, a tremendous uh, reaction to this. And he says, and he began to preach about Jesus Christ. That's what Peter did. You see, when the Holy Ghost comes, he will make you want to talk about Jesus so Peter preached Christ he says therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made the same Jesus whom he crucified both lord and christ now this is very very significant because Peter was a Jew and he was speaking to the Jews and uh, you know a lot of people don't want to offend the Jews uh, and 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 they they don't want to you know uh, I met some orthodox Jews and and talked to them about my faith and they always you know say this well well no our people didn't crucify Jesus it's the it's the Romans who crucified Jesus now it's true that the Romans crucified Jesus but it was the Jewish leaders who wanted uh, who wanted uh, the Romans to crucify Jesus so what I'm saying is that Peter wasn't, uh, you know, playing games with them. He, he didn't want to shift the blame on the Romans. He told them straight away. He says, Jesus, who you crucified, God has made him Lord and Christ. And he was not afraid of offending them by basically telling them the truth. And listen, guys, you crucified him, but God raised him up and made him Lord and Christ. And it says, now, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart. They were pricked in the heart because people, because Peter preached the truth. He preached Christ, the same Christ who was a stumbling block for them. uh, The same Jesus who was a stumbling block for these people who they had rejected, who they had crucified. Now, Peter is pointing the finger straight at them and telling them, listen, this is about Jesus. And this is what happened. He says, and this is what he did. And then you guys crucified him but God has made him Lord and Christ and God has and when he said that they were pricked in their hearts and because you see when, when the word of God when the gospel is preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit it gets people's hearts it doesn't matter whether they are Jews or Muslims or Chinese or Indians or whatever they are whenever the gospel is preached with power it pricks people's hearts that's the power of the gospel the Holy Ghost gets into people's hearts and he says, they were picked in their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of their apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, you've got to understand that these people are devout Jews. That's what the Bible says, uh, that these were devout Jews and from all over, you know, from, uh, from every nation. Now, we must remember that God loves even the most devout Jews. Doesn't matter how devout, how religious they are. Jesus Christ died for them and God loved them and God wants them to be saved. That is the important thing for us to understand. We must have a passion for those people. And, you know, and and so because God, you see the Holy Spirit is able even to reach them. And this is what Peter was doing. I mean, these were... They, man, they, they, These were hardcore Jewish people. They were devout. they were religious and Jesus uh, had been killed not long back. And I'm not saying any of those people were personally there, but all I'm saying, is that these were people who knew the events who knew what had happened and they had generally you know had that had their own opinion of Jesus but when they saw the power of God and Peter preached to them they were pricked in their hearts and they said brothers what must we do what must we do we want to be saved and the Holy Ghost knows how to get into people's hearts and he says Uh, He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words he did testify and exhort saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them 3,000 souls. And then it says, this is important. This is in the aftermath of the Pentecost loud pouring. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in breaking of bread and in prayer. So there were four things that happened in the immediate aftermath of the day of Pentecost. It says that these people first gathered, you know, Peter, well, before these four things, they, the Peter preached the gospel and they were saved and they were baptized. And then there were these four things after they were baptized. There were 3000 of them. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles doctrine. That is very important. You know, the word doctrine will lay down solid doctrine. I remember back in the days of uh, the charismatic movement, I mean, you know there was no solid doctrine people were all over the place the important thing was the experience of the spirit we used to meet in meetings and sing in tongues and there were wonderful manifestations of the presence of god we saw people heal and people saw angels people saw visions but it was built around that and there was no solid doctrine and then people began to come with all kinds of teachings and there were demons and there were Teachings where people were vomiting in buckets to get the demons out, and everything was a demon, and they were just just everything under the sun. You can imagine. I mean, we we saw it happen. But the one thing that was missing was a love for the Bible, and that this is very important because you see what happens is that when the Holy Ghost moves, you know, it brings about all kinds of things and. And I always wondered until an older man of God, he said to me, he said, Brother Christopher, where there's great light, it also attracts a lot of bugs. So I, so I suddenly realized that, you know, whenever the Holy Spirit moves, we must have solid doctrinal things that we believe, that we adhere to, that we stand on and, uh, and we choose never to depart from this. Now, you see, I'm, I'm not advertising. The assemblies of God, but I'm ordained by the assemblies of God, and every year uh, before you know uh, I get my fellowship card, my ministerial card, I have to look through our our doctrine, 16 fundamental truths, and I have to sign under it that I agree with, and and those things are uh, you know the the moment anybody departs from that, then, then you're off. We know that, and very often in Pentecostal circles, they all have a statement of truth or or uh, the or certain doctrines written down in paper. This is what we believe. But the problem is they never look at those things. Uh, they and, and most of the members in their churches don't even know what is written in that statement of faith. So anyone can come and preach anything he likes. And if people feel good or they feel, oh, the spirit moved, then it's okay. It is not okay. The, we must stick steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine. That's what they did. The apostles' There were 3000 new converts. There was a move of the spirit and you see it verse 43, many wonders and signs by the apostles. So when you have 3000 hungry, eager, uh, new believers, and then you have signs and wonders happening. I think that is the, uh, is a place where my goodness, any kind of doctrine can flourish. Anything can blow through that house. So that's why the apostles, they laid down doctrine. He says, and the people continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, solid doctrine. This is what the word of God says. This is what we believe. This is what we stand for. So my point is, when it comes to the Pentecostal experience, the wonderful baptism of the Holy Spirit, the move and the flow of the Holy Spirit, and we see the miraculous happening around us, remember that the word of God is always our anchor, never let us be deceived by because even miracles can uh, can um, can lead you into deception if those miracles are not in line with the word of God, nowadays people tell me, you know, they, they've got they've got they've got gold dust appearing in meetings, and and they've got these gemstones. Unfortunately, the gemstones are always fake, and I I fail to understand why God would create fake gemstones and not real ones when He's able to. But anyway, my contention is this: this people talk about all these. Signs that are happening in meetings, and there, you know, things that are not even in the Bible. And I'm not saying they're of the devil. All that I'm saying is that I have set a standard for myself and my life and my ministry that I will never go into anything that is not in the Bible, because of the simple reason: if there is something that looks good, feels good, and a lot of credible people, they say this is of God, but it's not found in the Bible. What happens is that the moment I say, okay, this is okay, I will accept this. There is nothing that can stop me from going after the next thing that comes along that doesn't line up with the with the Bible, because suddenly I have opened the door to this, that, uh, that there are things that God does that are not in the Bible. And some people even say, well, they're not unbiblical, they're extra biblical. Well, I'm sorry, if it's not in the Bible, it's unbiblical. You can legitimize it by calling it extra biblical, but there's nothing extra biblical. It's either biblical or unbiblical. So when you have these manifestations that are not found in the scriptures, and it doesn't matter how many people say they're legitimate because they feel good. A lot of people go by feelings. They say, well, I was in the meeting. I felt the presence of God. And just because some people feel it, uh, you know, because that's what it is these days. People have to feel something. And uh, just because they feel it, that makes it legitimate. And so, but, but you see, the problem is that when you open your door to open the door to accepting things that are not in the Bible, The next thing that comes along, even though it may not be deceptive in itself, it can open the door to something that leads you into deception. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that is a phenomenon, a phenomena that happens in front of you. It may not be deceptive in itself, but if it's not found in the Bible, it has the potential of leading into other things that are deceptive. And there is great safety in staying with the Word of God and staying with uh, things that are doctrinally solid. And this is, I emphasize this when I taught in Bible college back in Sweden, and I emphasize it to my own life and to my friends and wherever I preach, I tell them, stay with the Bible. You might find it boring because there's a lot of exciting things that are happening out there that are not in the Bible, but those things, believe me it's not worth it because I have missed a lot of these so-called revivals and moves and renewals. But at the end of the day, I have not missed anything at all. Nothing. I I still see millions of souls coming to Jesus, lame people walking, blind eyes seeing. We have seen dead people raised. We planted churches. Exciting things are happening all over the world. And I am happy. I, I have not missed anything because I've missed things that are not in the Bible. So uh, that is why I believe the apostles, uh, they were very sound, you know, when it comes to doctrine. They said they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. We stay with the doctrines, the teachings of the Word of God. Stay with the Bible because the Bible will save your life. And then fellowship, that means uh, don't forsake the assembling together of the saints. So even if you have a wonderful experience with the Holy Ghost, don't be a lone ranger Well, I can worship God all alone. I ask people, what church do you go to? Well, I go to the church of the the firstborn or something like that. I say, in other words, you don't go to church, you know, but don't be that way. Be part of a local fellowship wherever you are. Be part of a local fellowship that is vital, that's alive. So they continued in the Apostles' Doctrine Fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers and uh, breaking of bread means Holy Communion and it also means eating together because in the Middle Eastern culture, uh, food is actually covenant. So eating together and in prayers and actually it means corporate prayers because if you look at these four things that I mentioned here, Apostles' Doctrine, Fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers, they're all collective they're all they're not individual things there are individual prayers but he's talking about collective prayer because uh, corporate collective prayer all these things are you know uh, the apostles laying out the doctrine and people fellowshiping together people breaking bread together and people praying together because it is our uh, how do you say our collective uh, thing that we have together you know the the corporate Fellowship in the body of Christ, that's what keeps it together and keeps us solid and keeps us on the path because that is where we exhort one another, another, encourage one another, and then it says, and fear, fear here means holy reverence, came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed, this is interesting, verse 44-45, and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men and every man had need. Now, this is interesting. This is not some kind of socialistic thing that, you know, uh, that you tell everybody, okay, everybody sell all your extra straw, bring it to the church and we will distribute it. No. But this is what it means. When there is a move of God, whenever the Holy Spirit moves, whenever the Holy Spirit moves, it opens people's hearts and people become generous. I mean, generosity always accompanies a move of the Holy Spirit. One of the... True signs, or one of the true fruits of a genuine move of the Holy Spirit, is generosity. Suddenly, all these people who are tight wards and stingy they come and you know, people sell their houses, their cars. I've seen it in Africa. God moves, and I've seen people sell their cars, giving and their houses, and give it to the church for the new building project or give it to a missionary. People do, I've seen people do that to us. Whenever God has moved, people come and give their stuff because revival and the move of God, the work of the Holy Spirit makes us generous. Hallelujah. And whenever there is a move of the Holy Spirit, there's always great generosity. And then it says, verse 46, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house that eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. The church had favor. Now, this is interesting. They didn't have favor with the religious leaders, but they had favor with the people. Because, see, when signs and wonders happen and God moves and people's needs are met, we will have favor with people. We will have favor with people when we serve people. In America, unfortunately, the church has become more known for what we are against. You know, we are preaching against the gays. We are preaching against uh, abortionists. We are preaching against sinners. Now, we, we, we've got to stop doing that. What we start, what we have to do is to start loving people and start serving people. And it doesn't matter who they are or what their sins are. When we love people and serve people and, and, and we reach out our hands and touch them when they're sick and minister to them, God will give us favor with them. And then it says the praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Hallelujah. And that's how the churches grew because the church the church grew because they had favor with the people because God was moving and they were serving people and the church grew. Well praise God. We will continue again um, um, more about the Holy Spirit tomorrow, but let me pray together with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your hands of mercy and blessing and favor upon them and their families. Lord, I pray for every sick person in every house. I pray. For long life and health and healing for them, I curse every disease and infirmity. I pray, Father, that everyone who hears these words of mine, let them grow in wisdom, in love, Father, in your grace and in faith, Father, that they may be strong and bear much fruit for your glory. Father, we honor you. We glorify you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, my friends, in all things. See you tomorrow.